You're listening to the Take a Breath podcast with coach Alex Bowman. Hey everyone and welcome to the Take a Breath podcast with me, Alex Bowman. This is your fortnightly chance to stop, take a breath, step out of your hectic lives and focus on your own personal development. And today we're talking about transitions in life and I suppose more specifically why self-doubt shows up during change. So this is a pretty big topic and something that we'll all have experience in. We all go through transitions in our life and we deal with them in our own unique way. Regardless of who you are, I can guarantee one thing, that whatever the transition that you're going through, it'll be met with mixed emotions, a flood of thoughts and inner voices. Some helpful ones and some properly toxic. So firstly, let's clarify what I mean by a transition. Essentially, I'm talking about significant changes in our lives, a key milestone on your journey that altered your course. Some examples of common transitions in our lives are changing jobs, marriage, becoming a parent, redundancy, leaving a relationship, moving to a new home, retirement, all of which I've experienced or witnessed and had very different experiences of each. Some of these transitions you can see coming and some just slap you right in the face without warning. So I want to tell you a story of how I got engaged to my beautiful wife Lucy. In 2012, we both packed in our jobs and decided to go travelling for six months. We were scheduled to leave in April and I knew I was going to propose to her at some point on our travels. So in January, I went and bought the perfect ring. And long story short, we had an amazing time travelling and after a couple of aborted plans to propose, I finally did it. And she said yes and life was awesome. When we returned to the UK and settled back into work, something totally unexpected happened. My fiancé started reading books for women about transitioning into becoming a wife. And from the outside, she looked a little lost, confused and scared at times. Now, although I was definitely there for her and I gave her the space she needed, to be honest, I was actually in turmoil on the inside. I mean, I'd asked her to spend the rest of her life with me, We're not even planning the wedding yet, and she's already reading self-help books about how to cope with being married. I couldn't help but take this personally, and couldn't understand why she was in so much conflict. To be honest, it was too much. I was hurting, and I was definitely frustrated, as I felt like she was deciding if I was good enough for her, and so I approached her about it. Now, my wife has the composure of an enlightened monk, at times, and she simply said something along the lines of, You've known you were going to propose to me for over a year. You've had time to process what life will be like once we're married. I had no idea you were going to propose. I definitely love you and want to marry you. And I just need some time and guidance to process what you've already had a chance to do. Talk about a perspective change. I'd never once considered things from this angle. I was asking her to change her life, for the better obviously, and I was just expecting it to be an easy thing for her to do. So why am I sharing this particular story? To be honest, at first I had no idea. I knew it was a serious transition that I went through, and a lot of us will go through, but I couldn't put my finger on what I was trying to say. So I left the subject alone, spent some time with my wife, and then the reasons finally came. Getting married is one of the biggest, happiest milestones in our lives, And it's the result of two people being in love. And still, those inner voices of self-doubt and self-sabotage show up. 
I've literally just asked my wife what sort of things were being said in her head when she was reading those guidance books. And I'm pleased to say that we also had a good laugh about it too, which is one of the beauties of hindsight. In the words of my wife, it was the fact that the decision would affect her for the rest of her life, which obviously scared her. She admits that she was a bit of a commitment phobe and was struggling to process this. And what I got from this discussion was that there was something about giving up aspects of her previous life. Something about giving up maybe her freedom. If only I was a coach when we were going through this, I could have shown her how awesome her life would obviously be with me. Anyway, what I'm getting at is that even if the transition in your life is one that you know will be amazing, you're still going to have your voices of self-sabotage that bring doubt. Now, with big transitions like engagements, marriage, or becoming a parent, there's plenty of time in the build-up to really tie yourself in knots by listening to those negative voices. However, they also show up as emotions or reactions, particularly when our values get trampled on. Let me give you an example. Another major transition in my life was becoming a dad. What a crazy time that was and still is for me. Every day changes, and the only way you can survive some days is if you're totally present and have no attachment to what shows up that day. And that's completely easier said than done. So, for example, I can sometimes take it personally if my son wants mummy and not me. I can get annoyed if he doesn't eat the cottage pie I've spent an hour making, whilst multitasking, trying to entertain him, stop him turning on the taps, putting his head down the toilet, picking the dog's nose, turning on the washing machine, having a meltdown, or any of the other wonderful things he gets up to in the space of five minutes. Now, as a parent, I was getting increasingly worried and sad about my inability to tolerate all the above. I'd been made redundant. My wife and I did a role swap where she worked full time and I worked part time along with me doing daddy daycare. So talk about a whole load of transitions happening at one time. Oh, and we also found out that we had baby number two on the way the day after I was made redundant. So <laughs> no pressure at all. Anyway, back to the point. I had some great coaching recently that made me realise my emotional reactions were showing up as a result of some of my values being squashed. As a result, instant negative voices coupled with strong emotions erupted. Take the example of my son Jack wanting his mummy over me. This is a typical situation for dads and generally we just suck it up as that maternal bond is so much stronger between mum and baby. But for me, I'd stepped into a role of a part-time stay-at-home dad where I was actually with him more than his mum. But he still wanted mummy. The negative voices kicked in, coupled with instant emotions of sadness and anger. The voices were saying, he doesn't love you. You're not as good as mummy. You can't comfort him. He doesn't love you. Which is all obviously nonsense, by the way. One thing I learned about kids is that they say and act exactly the same way when they're with the other parent. So even though this was going on with me, it was actually going on with Lucy as well. So, going back to the coaching I had, my coach got me to revisit my value system. One of my values is titled family, and that encompasses a string of values such as love, support, respect. By Jack wanting his mum instead of me, I was feeling unloved and totally disrespected. Now, I appreciate the irony of me talking about an under two-year-old disrespecting me, but I wasn't as self-aware at the time. I was running purely on whatever emotion showed up and to make matters worse, 
I got into a real negative feedback loop. I started reflecting on the fact that I was feeling angry and sad and that, well, it made me even more angry and sad about being angry and sad in the first place. In other words, why can't I get myself together and be the happy, easygoing person I see myself as? Being more self-aware of my values helped in terms of understanding why certain emotions or negative talk shows up, but it didn't stop them. What was worse, now some days I could handle anything that was thrown at me. For example, the sweet potato mash from my son's rejected dinner or a conflict at work. And some days I simply couldn't. Even my wife had started to highlight that she was struggling to deal with my high days and my low days. That was not only a wake-up call for me, but also put the pressure on, as I really couldn't grasp what was going on inside of me. This was all happening around the time I was going through training to be a coach. Every month I was meeting up with 24 amazing trainee coaches, and a big part of this training is coaching each other through real topics in our lives. Now, in this type of environment, you build unbreakable relationships, as you not only see people transform into amazing coaches, but you also have the privilege of coaching them through some of their biggest subjects in their lives. Many of my coach friends were seeing that I was off my game, and that I wasn't the energetic, compassionate, happy-go-lucky, intense coach that they had come to know and lean on. I was then called out by one of the head coaches to be a client in a demonstration, which came at exactly the right time for me. Long story short, I was struggling with several transitions in my life, redundancy, being a stay-at-home dad, having another baby on the way, stepping into the role of coach, and I was plagued with self-sabotage, to the point I was frozen from taking any action. My coach left me with a simple inquiry to go away and reflect on. The question was, what are you scared of giving up to enable you to move forward? So that evening, I sat with that question for a long time, and I didn't really understand it at first. I then went through an absolute storm of emotions and thoughts for about three hours, and I was determined to come out the other side with clarity. What was I scared of? Then something ironic happened. I knew there was a good chance that I might be asked in front of the whole group the next day how I got on with this question. Now, despite my group being the most awesome, non-judgmental family on the planet, a little voice in my head said, what will they think of me? It then all fell into place for me. All my transitions, negative feelings and inability to take action have come from that one massive, constant, self-sabotaging question. My happiness has always been determined by the opinions of others. To some extent, I've spent a majority of my time being a yes-man, because I wanted to be liked. I don't want to rock the boat. Yeah, of course, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've been assertive and stood up for myself, when my values have been ignored by people. However, those times have always come as a massive build-up of unhappiness or frustration first. So, the penny that dropped for me on my last day of the coaching course was that I need to let go of what people think of me. If I honour that simple revelation, suddenly it's impossible not to take action with anything. I'd been worried about what people would think about me becoming a coach. I'd been worried that my son thought of me as a bad dad because he preferred mum. I'd been worried about many things in my life because of the perception of others. If I could shake that one thought, I would truly be free to be and do what I want. 
Again, obviously easier said than done. But the point is, I now know what freezes me and stops me taking action and from being myself. It's about me becoming less attached about outcomes so that I can unapologetically be myself in all walks of life. So let's revisit the issue I was having around dad duties. The days where I can show up with no attachment to Jack's actions, or put simply, show up with just love for him and being in the moment with him, things are pretty amazing and everything he does seems hilarious, even if he's launching the sweet potato cottage pie that I made across the room. Of course, every parent has their limits, as there's only so many tantrums you can take about Peppa Pig before you give in, put them in front of the TV and take a breath for yourself. Those days that I show up for Jack are easy, as I'm not listening to the negative voices. In fact, I can't even hear them at times. However, these voices of self-sabotage will sadly always be present in our lives. They'll either come back or show up with a different subject. Every human being has them. You want to know why? Because they're part of you. They're your body's way of preventing change. Your brain determines change as danger, so it will manifest voices to convince you that the status quo is right and it's safe. So how can we deal with them? If the negative voices or self-talk keep showing up, become louder, freeze you from action, and basically frustrate you, confront them. Actually give them some airtime and see what they've got to say. It doesn't mean that what they say is true. That's up to you to decide. By actually taking the time to hear what they say rather than suppressing them, they'll really lose their impact. There's nothing more empowering than giving yourself a safe space to let these voices blurt, then simply thank them for their opinions and then completely disregard them. By giving them a chance to have their say, they'll lose their power. You'll probably be really surprised to find they don't actually have that much to say when you give them the microphone, especially when you give them a time limit of say 30 seconds to rant. They'll become flustered and they'll stumble over their words you'll eventually realise that it's the suppressing of these voices that gives them their power. You create them into some kind of monster that you don't want to confront. However, if you learn to give them a few seconds to have their say, you'll kill that monster while it's still tiny. In fact, I've found that listening to them gives me a clear idea of what I actually need to do next. Usually, it's the exact opposite. For example, if the voice is saying, you shouldn't have that discussion at work about the pay rise you want because they'll probably think you're not worth it. This is telling me that I should have that conversation because I want to honour letting go of what they think of me. If I have the conversation and it results in no pay rise, no drama. I know where I stand. They'll be learning from having that experience and I've stepped up and taken action. If I get the pay rise, high fives all round because I'm worth the money. So let me try and pull this all together and summarise. This podcast is about transitions in life and how we respond to them. Maybe it should have been titled something around self-sabotage, but that's an inner voice of mine talking, and it doesn't have anything else to say on the subject, so we'll leave it alone. Milestones in our lives will always come with uncertainty. This uncertainty relinquishes our control and takes us right out of our comfort zone. This gives our self-sabotaging voices the microphone, because they're trying to keep us safe. Now, it's up to you to decide whether their version of a safe life is the one that you truly want. Whew. Okay, so that about wraps it up here, folks. 
And if you want to know more or struggle with these types of questions or want to make a change in your life but don't know how, I'm here to help. Please visit my website www.clearwatercoach.com and reach out to me. Clearwater Coach also has a Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn account where you can also contact me. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please leave me a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Yes, it's official. We are on iTunes. The more positive reviews or shares on social I get, the more accessible we make this show to others in need. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with another episode in a few weeks. But for now, breathe easy and have an awesome day.